It's that time of the year where everybody started to make their vacation plans on visiting Kentucky, the mecca of bourbon. And if you are coming to Kentucky, you need to make sure you visit us at Pursuit Spirits in Louisville. We're right in the heart of Clifton, near Butchertown and Nulu, and only just a few miles away from downtown Louisville. But when you do come, you need to book your experience to go do our whole shebang. This is the one that's really the star of the show. You get a full-on tasting. You get to do your own personal barrel selection experience. And you get to grab a whiskey thief and fill your bottle directly from the barrel. We're doing something completely brand new that nobody else is doing here in bourbon country. Plus, you get a free sweet tasting glass at the end of it. I guarantee you, you're going to end up being one of the many people that's also leaving us a five-star review. So make sure you come and check us out. You can book your reservation by going to PursuitSpirits.com and clicking the Visit Us button. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Pursuit from Bourbon to Brand. However you found us, we're glad that you're here as we get a behind-the-scenes look at the Pursuit Spirits brand. I'm your host, Brian Bikey. Joining me, as usual, we have both the guys, Kenny and Ryan. How's it going, you all? Hey, hey. Back again. It's going magically. You know, it's it's going to be a great episode. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but it's going to be amazing. <laughs> we just talked about what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how... Everybody's priced too high except for us, and we're the best value brand in the market. <laughs> best bottle under $70. <laughs> best bottle between $64.99 and $65.01. How about that? <laughs> That's right. Coming fresh off uh, of the end of the year, getting into the new year, you've got tons of folks putting out their their top lists. you got people who are saying the, the best available bourbons they tried, the, the best all around products. You see lists everywhere from rice to bourbons to American whiskeys. Looking through products that are on there, it just has me, you know, every year when we come to these times, kind of looking at the scope of whiskey and saying, where's the big price bubble? And when is it going to break? Retail pricing, bottles on the shelf. How do brands determine where they're going to be priced at? And what can you do with the product once you get there and what can you do with other products you put out once you're in a place like that so let's go ahead and we'll we'll start a few different things because i know we've touched on pricing a little bit before on the show probably on bourbon pursuit as well and we've talked about how heritage distilleries your jim beams your heaven hills and everybody like that how they can have such you would call quote-unquote budget bourbons these bourbons that are thirty dollars maybe forty dollars and less and we've talked about all the time they have had, well, of course, they've had time, they've had scale, they've had glut, they've had everything on their side to be able to create really good bourbons at a relatively inexpensive and affordable price. But you also see the flip side of that, where they are also trying to take a lot of those different products off the shelf because premiumization is being a real thing. And they are rebranding it because they know that they can't think there's no point in selling six year old whiskey for 1999. Why would you do that when everybody else is going to pull $50 per bottle? So it's a, it's an easy conversation for them to have and be able to figure that out. Now on the, the greater scale of this thing, I think it's, it's starting to figure out exactly where do folks like us, where do folks like Blue Run, Penelope, Nulu, Smoke Wagon, let's just take a lot of these NDPs kind of coming into this and figure out how do we price ours and how do we come into this? And that's because 
we all, I mean, it's very easy to understand. We don't own the corn. We don't own the distillery. So we have to pay a little bit of a premium to it. And therefore, our costs to get into it are going to be a little more expensive. In addition, not just from a, a new fill perspective, that's kind of when things get a little bit better on our end. But just to get on market, we've talked about this with a lot of few, a few different people. The only way you get on market is you have to buy H product. And of course, right now, H product is ridiculously expensive. I, I don't even, I don't want to think about how we have to buy another 40 barrels here relatively soon because of what we need to get through for the next few years until our new stuff comes online. But that's just the nature of what it is. And we are going to eat a lot of those costs because we need to stay price competitive inside the market. And if I remember correctly, I remember we were looking at when we were developing our strategy of where we were going to bring United in on the shelf in the first place, we ended up looking at our cost of goods, uh, and that's for the aged barrels. And we also took an account of forecasts of what future barrels are going to cost because of the the more you buy at a younger age, we bought four, three, two, one, and new make. And of course, you know your new make is going to be a lot less expensive, but we've got time to wait on your side. So we got another four to six years until we can even use those barrels. But we took all that into account to try to figure out how can we stay afloat, make enough margin that we can put it back into the company without taking any distributions ourselves, but still be at a price where we feel comfortable that we are delivering a good product, a good value, and it's still, it's still technically a little bit on the premium side. And I think for ours, we also looked at a, a proof point at 108 or not your 80 proof $40 MGP. There's just no, there's no way that we can play there. Now, if we put it down to 80, could we lower the price? I'm sure we could lower the price a little bit, but what we want to be able to do is we want to make sure that we are satisfying our audience as well as making sure that we are building in enough cushion that we can not only just be able to take care of the margin, but as we've seen over the past two years, what price hikes have been coming in with new fills, with raw materials, with glass, with wood, with the steel that goes in the hoops of the barrels, all that has gone up and we have still yet to increase our price and pass that on. Whereas I know I've talked to other companies that have seen this come up because whether they're buying H stock or whether they are buying, uh, you know, a contract amount, everybody's prices are going up. And so now you're going to start seeing that going across the board or you're going to start seeing them switching to 700 mls that was a long way to kick this off but i'll i'll shut up for a few minutes yeah i can i can add nothing thanks kenny uh, (laughs) no i mean you covered a lot of good things i mean yeah i think that we just let people know that the way we approach pricing was strictly from a you know from a profit and loss state you know from an accounting standpoint like okay we need to make this much we have to price it this way to cover our cost of goods and to be able to build the future. It's not just like, how can we squeeze as much margin out of the consumer? It's like, okay, what are the margin? You know, when it, anytime I look at pricing, you know, in any bit, it's like, all right, what's out there, out there in the market? What are your cost of goods sold? And what's a typical profit margin that you're dealing with in the industry? How can you create value if you're going to be higher than that? And how can you create volume if you're going to be lower than that? Because you're going to have to make up volume to make up if you're going to be a lower margins, you're going to have to do a ton of volume to make up because you got to make money to reinvest in the company to, you have to have profits. People say profits, a dirty word or think that companies shouldn't make that ton of money, but you need profits to invest in your company to, for it to sustain. And, and 
survive so you can be there in the future. Quick question to ask you about this, because I know we had talked about it a long time ago and I can't remember it. What did you say is that that healthy threshold that a business should be at to be able to invest back in their company and kind of have a healthy profit margin, whatever it is? Yeah. So typically, you know, I've always been in the mindset, if you ideally you want to be at a 55% gross margin. So what gross margin means is you're basically what you sell it for minus your cost of goods sold and that your gross margin is 55 to 45%. You want to be 55% is ideal. 45% is kind of your bottom threshold. Once you get below that, there's not a ton of margin left to cover because those are your kind of like fixed cost of goods. Everything below that's like your marketing, your office expenses, your insurance, your all these variable costs that you have to cover within that gross margin. And then you want a net profit margin. A healthy business is probably 10 to 15%. A really, really profitable business is 15 to 20. Once you get below 10, it's, you know, because after taxes and weight, you don't really have a ton of, uh, you know, unless you're just a huge volume player, um, which we're not. We don't have that much whiskey to sell to to create volume. So we have to be higher on margin so we can compete against those volume players like the Jim Beams and the Heaven Hills and whatnot. You know, grocery stores, they're a huge volume business, but they only make 1% uh, net margin on, you know, that, that a company like Kroger can do a billion dollars a year, but they only make 1% margin, you know, where a company like ours could do 15%, 20% net margin, but, you know, a lot less. So you have to figure out, okay, how much scale will I be able to do and figure out your margins that way? Does that make sense? Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your train of thought. I just remember... For anybody else that's out there, I know you've done the hard knocks of business school and you've figured this out for yourself. And I'm sure there's other people out there that would kind of like to understand what does it mean for a business to start running at a at a healthy profit? Well, and too, because, you know, I think Bernie Lover says his best, we're, we're not in the bourbon charity, we're in the bourbon business. And too, my dad always says, you can sit home and not make any money. It's just, you know, why, why put all this capital effort and whatnot if you're not going to make any profits. So the way we approach pricing was strictly from a, it's from an accounting standpoint. It's not like, how can we squeeze as much margin? It's cause it's interesting. You see like, you know, the big six have extremely low cost of goods sold for a new barrel of whiskey is probably like two fifty to $300 of cost of goods. Whereas we're probably like in the 750 to a thousand. So you can see how much margin there is between us and them that they can make up. And then you know, they have that really low cost of goods, yet they're raising prices, you know, to, to be in that $50, $60 range where they realistically are making great margin at still at $20, $30, $40 a bottle. And so you, it's interesting, you know, seeing them capitalize on, uh, and, and not that they shouldn't. I mean, that it's it's smart business, you know, supply and demand. If they can demand the prices, then by all means. But yeah, it's even more advantageous when Booker's goes from $40 a bottle to now, what is it, 75 I mean, they're making a ton of profit and at the volume and scale at it. Yeah, I think it might be more than that now. I think we're approaching up to 85 or 90 at SRP. But you're right. And that's and that's most of the time, I think at the last press release I read, it was five and a half, maybe a little bit over six is, is how old those barrels were. So yeah, they're they're making uh, quite, quite, a, quite a good little margin on there. But hey, you know, the those those nose got to get around in some fancy PJs every once in a while. That's how, that's how they that's how they make their that's how they make things. No, I'm not. not so those country hams. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm not trying to throw a sly or dig. I think they're they're always good people over there. 
the other thing about this is that when I thought about when we were coming out with our pricing, it was it was interesting to see how we came out at sixty four ninety nine is is kind of like a really weird price because we've we've heard we hear all kinds of mixed things. When we talk to our distributors, a lot of them say, "Well, you know, if you want to be an everyday item or you want to move some more volume, you need to be at forty nine ninety nine." And it's like, "Yeah, that'd be great, but we can't get there." And then I think I don't remember who it was that told us. They said, "If you want to be a volume player, you need to be lower than forty dollars." And we said, "There's no way we're going to get to that point." So there's a it, and that's just a dichotomy inside of whiskey and inside of just the spirits business. So people. If you want to be a more of a volume play, get a lot more pull through, you need to be less than 40. 50 is going to be that good middle of the range. We need a little bit higher than that. Now, the part that I'm struggling with is that I see all the time there's plenty of bottles that are $99, $100, and they go flying off the shelves. There's people that are buying them all the time. And I think to myself, God, did we screw up? Should we just price it at a hundred because the perceived value is better at a hundred dollars than at sixty four ninety nine? And I think that's one of the things that that I continually struggle with. Is I mean, we can't go back on it now because they'd be like, "Well, what happened? Did you sprinkle some magic Stitzel Weller in there that all of a sudden it's now a hundred dollars a bottle?" But the that's that's the thing I look at and I say did we shoot ourselves in the foot because we could have come out with a hundred dollar bottle and maybe we could have done less volume and we would have been able to be in a, in a good spot. But I don't know. I mean, I kind of want to get your all's thoughts on that. Is like, is the, is the, the market looking at it right now and looking at a hundred dollars is like, okay, that's, that's reasonable. That's what's to expect. 75 to hundred is the new 35 or something like that. And so are we getting lost in this middle ground? Yeah. It's a really interesting price point. Honestly, I don't, from feedback, just kind of quickly glancing through, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show and some of these lists and whatnot that people had, it seems like while we see products that do quickly move off the shelf at that price, I feel like it's a louder vocal for people who are sick of seeing things that are at the $100 price point and above. And I think that that's a really dangerous line to teeter on and that you kind of have to have some things stacked up, which in and of itself open up a couple of questions that we can unpack later or just food for thought and people can chime into this, just, you know, mailing into the show or whatnot. But, you know, it brings up the questions to me, which is what all goes into a good value for, for a price to pay. You know, we used to have the adage that, you know, $10 a year when I think we may have even talked about this before. We had the adage of $10 a year is how you, how you price bourbon. But then you have some things that are better valued than that that still don't get talked about. Things that go above that but are an exceptional product and people still talk crap about it because it doesn't fit the alignment. People talk both sides and so it's tricky. It makes me think about if there are other products out there where we are as price conscious and it's and it sways whether or not we say it's a good value or not. You know, I, I feel like of all the industries and things that I've been a part of, it was only coming to whiskey where people can say, accessibility, great. Taste, spectacular. Price, ah, that really killed it for me. And for that reason, it's not a good product. You know, normally it's, is does it taste good or not? But that's, that's not where we're at. And I don't know if it's because we have so much available to us that you don't have to be. Or if there are people that just take in to consideration different types of criteria 
to know if it's a value or not. So now I'm getting a little derivative to your initial question. So I would say you're probably a smarter play where you're at. I was walking around uh, a store in town recently just trying to get a scope, you know, kind of on this topic. Where are the bottles priced at nowadays? And you know, the only thing that would have me say maybe you put yourself in a in a bad spot price-wise is because it seemed like a majority of the things I saw were within this 50 to $85 range. And there's a lot of brands sitting on the shelf in this price point, and that in of itself kind of had me, you know, churning on this thought. When an average person in a market that might not be Kentucky, like us, goes to a shelf, what are they mainly seeing? What are they hoping to see? And where are they comfortable? And again, kind of when it goes back to these lists of products that I was thinking about, it was interesting because there's usually a lot of critique about products that are above $100. However, the alternative to me seemed like people would much rather get a list of four, five products in the $70 to $80 range, and that set better than them, than some things that might aggregate score higher in how good it is that went above 100. There's something about that price break point that regardless of whether the quality is or is not there, people don't resonate with. And I don't know if it's because they've tried something above it and been burnt and they're like that's that is $100 I won't get back. I can't I can't keep taking these chances on products like that or I don't know. I don't know what it is. I was talking thinking about this the other day and like cuz one of my friends texted me and was like, "Hey, I need a I need advice on a $300 bottle. I want to buy it. And I was like, like, Kentucky Owl or Kentucky Owl at this point? (laughs) I was like, can you, you know, can you spend 65, 75 or sub hundred? And he's like, no, not really. It's for my boss's retirement party. You know, me and a couple of coworkers are going to split the bottle and we want, you know, $300 our budget. And I was like, well, okay. So, I mean, Four gate is in that range, you know, it's like $250, $300, you know, it's really good whiskey, you know, it's going to deliver. And so is, you know, barrels in that too. So I said, I reckon too, I said barrel and four gate, you know, and then I was like, I love both of those, but I can't afford to go buy barrel and four gate all the time. You know, it's like maybe once a year, you know, what, you know, the barrel gold label stuff that's up there. Yeah. But then I got to thinking, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's priced that high and Maybe they don't move as much volume, but we have to sell four bottles <laughs> for that one bottle, you know, that they sell. And the margin they're making is probably way better than, than you know, they're probably making more money on that one bottle than we do on four. And it got me thinking, it was like, holy cow, you know, um, I don't know, it's strange that that, that that mindset is, you know, you can't spend, you got to spend like one, two hundred, three hundred on a premium bottle of whiskey. Um but two, uh, I, th- I feel like that's just hard to like take a chance on, <laughs> you know, 300 to hundred hundred dollars that I feel like there's such high expectations with a hundred dollar bottle because, you know, the, the big six have done a fantastic job of putting out really good stuff at, you know, even like the antique collection, you know, if you can find it is, you know, what, $7,500 a bottle if you get a hundred dollar bottle and it doesn't live up to that kind of level, it's kind of a huge letdown. And at least for me, you know, sub 80 kind of areas where I'm comfortable, like experimenting with new brands or trying different things. And even then I'm still kind of like, uh, you know, 
I, I want somebody that I know that tells me that like I can that palette that I trust that will allow me to like hand those dollars over matt porter from adhd whiskey or <laughs> that's right jason or, or mash and drum mash yeah. And, yeah somebody to somebody to tell us that yeah we can spend 80 dollars in a bottle this i promise it's worth it i think that's where i, f- I found a ton of g- a lot of gems in the 50 to 65 dollar range yeah the you know you can get great you know knob creek and russell reserve and this and that 40 45 but it's it's good whiskey, but it's really boring. Boring. It's damn good whiskey, but it's like I've had that before, you know. And it's like <laughs> I don't know, but I but I have a feeling too. It's all going to come back full circle that people are going to go for things that are they know are consistent and comfortable because they've have had these expensive price tags on you know these seventy five to hundred to hundred fifty dollar bottles, and it's just kind of like all right, I'm tired of chasing this shit and it not it being like too different or too funky or too this or that. I, I just want my good quality bourbons that I'm used to that got me into this. Yeah, I'd say good quality as well as something that, as you said, that you know you can come back to and always have a, I guess you can say a trusted ally on it. You know what you're going to get out of it. And it's got to be something that is not always going to be just more the same. I know we talk about all the time, but there are going to be 50 different Ross and Squibb labels at 50 different price points. And you've got to just figure out exactly how you can navigate those waters and find something that you want from there. But in in regards of more pricing, I also look at this and I start thinking, I said already before, should we have gone above 100? Because 100 immediately means that you have some sort of innate quality that is just right there in the price tag because it's going to be three digits long. And it's, I feel like we're in this very weird limbo 64 64 99 kind of thing but the the hundred i i look at it as well and i i also want to think how much longer can that be sustained because we've talked about it plenty of times on the show before new barrel investments coming online new ndps coming online you're going to start seeing more of these products at a higher price tag God, i mean i i don't even know what the brand name is but ryan and i we were talking about i'm not going to throw it in front of the bus but it was this bourbon that we saw getting bottled and it said two-year-old Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey in some kind of fancy porcelain decanter. And it was, I think, what, $85.99 or something, $84.99? Yeah. And I'm like, how are, how are they commanding a two-year-old whiskey for $85 a bottle? And I'm thinking, you've gotta, you're going to try it once, you're going to get burned. Who is going to come back to this and keep continuing to buy it? And the same thing is going to happen if we keep getting this big influx of higher price tags. People are going to it's it's going to it's going to start wearing down. And I don't know how many more people can go into that price category of being that high. Well, especially I think that's a one-off because it's a very it's a younger product. It doesn't have some name recognition to it and who knows what the the lifespan of that one's going to be. But I'm also thinking of of other brands that are in that 100 plus category. And how long can you sustain there and think that you can continually keep selling through $100 bottles and people are going to continue to keep coming back to it? Because most of us, we look at a $100 bottle and we think that might be a, a once every six month kind of purchase. And that's just because we're whiskey enthusiasts, maybe. As a general consumer, a, a $100 whiskey purchase that might be something once every two to four years because you're not going to, that's, that's a splurge. That's a, I got a promotion. That's a, 
I got married. I got something, so I'm going to go spend that kind of money on something. But for the general populace, that is not what people are going to buy. And that's why that $40 and under price category is where everybody always said that's where you're going to be with you to move volume because that's really where most general consumers are. So well, I don't know. Too, if you're moving, if you're at that price point, you're you're able to move volume because you're able to be on the bar menus where they can make money. At they can charge a ten dollar drink. You know, if a bottle is forty dollars MSRP, they're only paying you know twenty twenty five dollars. So their cost per ounce is you know less than a buck, and they're charging ten dollars a drink. You know, bars and restaurants. That's why bullets like just crush the volume game because of bars and restaurants being at that price point. But two, we, we have to realize we're in Kentucky, you know, our uh, average income here is a lot less than, you know, a lot of states, you know, like California, New York, Florida, Arizona, you know, there's just higher income, average income there and hundred dollars might not be hundred dollars might be like our 50 or 60, you know, here. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm probably a little jaded thinking that, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would, I'm easily spending over a hundred dollars on a bottle per month, but most people, I'm thinking of most whiskey. Sure. I don't, I don't even know how to categorize it because even the, the average whiskey consumer is, has changed a lot over the past year in regards of what they are purchasing. So it's hard to figure out, are people spending a hundred dollars on the regular? For a bottle. That that would be a good question. What is like an average whiskey consumer spending monthly on bourbon or you know whiskey? What what do you think or what qualifies you as an average whiskey consumer? Like how much are you spending per month? You know, is that fifty dollars a month, hundred dollars a month? Since we just got done doing the bourbon pursuit end of the year, actually I have to do it every. Well, let's see, we do it every two years. A listener survey. And trying to get an idea of what are people buying and do they listen to the show and so on and so forth. So I'm going to pull it up real quick just so I can I can see it and I'm, I'm not speaking out of uh, out of line here. So uh, bottles of bourbon purchased per month. The highest was three to four bottles per month. And that was 35% of respondents, 35.5% of respondents said that. So this is based on 724 responders. One to two bottles a month was 27%. Five to six was 23.3%. There was a big drop off after that. Seven plus was 4.3% and it goes down from there. Until you get to greater than 10, it actually goes up to about six and a half percent. And that's just the bottles of mm. bourbon purchased per month. That doesn't say exactly what the the price category is. But this goes to show you, on average, listeners of the show are buying around three to four bottles per month. Did we do a question like, how much do you average spend, like money-wise, or just bottles? No, that was just bottles. We I, I tried to figure out bottles per month as well as at, like how many bourbon-based drinks on premises they're buying per yeah, month. Yeah, what's that? Oh, okay. So if you want to know that... It's uh, the the most was one to two, so one to two cocktails per month. That's around thirty percent. And then, I'm way over average. Yeah, oh, me too. <laughs> Three to four. <laughs> that's was like in one half. sitting. <laughs> uh, five to six was sixteen. Uh, then it dropped off, but then it goes back up when it's greater than ten. It goes up to fifteen and a half percent. Okay, I love that. <laughs> that's a good stat. I'm probably right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, easily. I'm just thinking. Too. I mean, yeah. We go on date nights once a week and then go out with my kids. I mean, I'm at least 
probably four or five cocktails a, a week. <laughs> if I had to guess. Well, like I said, well, next year I'll, I'll switch it up and sit there and put a dollar sign in and be like, how, how on average, what are you spending per bottle? Okay. So let's say, all right, so four and maybe let's say $45 a bottle. So you're at 180, you're getting a couple drinks. So you're spending two Let's say two hundred dollars a month on uh, whiskey, unless your bottles are a hundred dollars each, and then it's <laughs> yeah, way more than that. Then it's two thousand. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Add another zero. What's a so you're what's spending a twenty between friends? So you're spending twenty five hundred dollars a year, roughly, on whiskey. Okay, and that's but this is for whiskey geeks because they're listening to a podcast on bourbon, <laughs> and I would cut that in half. Maybe it's like okay. But I don't know. There's people that probably buy handles of Old Forester every two weeks, you know? Yeah, you're probably true. Yeah, like I said, that's a, that's a small population of, of what we're able to gather. So it's just some some small data points to start looking at it. But it just yeah. gives us a little bit of an insight. I can't remember that. why I asked you to get that data, but <laughs> it's originally the question. But you were curious where that break was to see, you know, what people are going out and grabbing if they're getting burned on the over $100 bottles. I mean, it would be curious. Again, we're not going to, we're going to use this information for anything. We're not going to blast your name. But again, if you're listening to this and you want to chime in and let us know, you know, what's the average bottle price that you're looking for? Podcast at PursuitSpirits.com. Again, this would be just interesting information for us to to gather and see what the the people listening to the show are picking up. You know, if you're that $100, instead of buying four bottles a month, you're buying, you know, one to two, you know, and if you get burned once, you're like, damn, I could have bought four bottles with that, you know? <laughs> and then you're back to the four bottles. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see how the how things change here in 2023. We'll see where the consumer site's going. I know this can get uh, pretty labor intensive uh, the further this kind of question goes, but Kenny, you made a, a impassing comment earlier about, oh, you'd have to go to 700 ml sizes uh, at that point. What are your thoughts on 700 ml sizes? You know, we saw it with some of the Jack Daniels the triple mash and the bond that recently came out. But I feel like I see a lot of enthusiasts actually in favor of if brands were to somehow get smaller, whether that's 700, 500, 375, 200, because it seems like a lot of people, it's actually not in, a, at least in some of the circles that I see conversations taking place. It's not that they want to own a full bottle of everything, and it's not that they want to just have stuff in their, library or museum, they'd like to try more stuff. It's just cost prohibitive combined with finding it. And if more products were made more widely available or in a cheaper or smaller package, then people would be able to try it. And again, I know as you get the lower those bottles are, the more difficult it actually would be for production sake. Let's just go back to the first thing you mentioned. You know, what what would, uh, do you think it would change the scope of the scene at all if somehow we did start seeing some 700 ml bottles? Even if the price didn't actually change, it allows for some of those more premium things to be in a, in the same price point. I don't know. I'll put this out there. I believe we talked about it in the last roundtable for 2023 predictions, and somebody had mentioned that we're going to start seeing some more 700 mls. And I will put it out there that, I have a feeling that if you see a company going to 700 mLs, they're not doing it for the consumer. That's, I can tell you right now, nobody's <laughs> going to do that for the consumer. They are doing that because costs are going up. And so what they can do is they can put less liquid in a bottle and they can keep it at the same exact price point. You're going to still pay at the same exact amount, but you're going to get less. So whether you think it's for you, that's that's 
unfortunately, that's not what it is. The other thing that you had mentioned there, Brian, is that, oh, people want to get stuff that's in a smaller form factor. 700, that's a that's an easy switch because most bottling lines are able to take in a smaller bottle with very little calibration to go and make that change, unless it's a very custom way that you, that bottle has to fit in there. But from a 700 to seven, or 750 to 700, not much has to change from a, a molding perspective. The the other part is like going into a 500 or 375 ml. Jack Daniels with say Koi Hill and some other things like that. Those are really good examples of LTOs that went off as one-time runs that people are going to chase after, they're going to go after, and that satisfies the itch of the whiskey consumer. Now, the problem with that is, and I think we've said it before, moving to a smaller form factor such as a 500 or 375, yes, from a production standpoint for somebody like us, it's very hard to do because we have to order a lot more bottles. It's a different type of process to just get that out the door, but it's the secondary portion of that. It's how do you get room on the shelf? Because retailers don't want to sit there because here's the thing is that it's not because those 375s, they got they got skinnier so they can put more stuff on there. No, it's the same width. They're just taking up this more shelf space, but you're taking away the height. And most retailers aren't want to go and give away more shelf space to 375s, especially if you're going to see this sprawl of stuff out there. So there's going to be more more demand of what can they put in there and, and what's going to take the demand and the attention on the shelf. And so, they got to sell more of them to make, you know, some margin. Oh, yeah. And, and, margin. and thank you. Thank you for bringing up that margin. Uh, even if we were to go to 375s or 500s, well, guess what? Our price is going to go down, but it's not going to go down that much. We're, we'll make better margin because we can sell more bottles and we're not going to, we're not going to take it just because 375 is half the price of 750. We are not going to cut our price in half. Very unlikely that would ever happen. What we would do is we would cut it in half and then we probably raise it by 20% because you have more materials. There's more labor and uh, that goes into it, more labels, everything like that actually has to go into creating that. Heck, I don't even think of 20%. We'll probably take it up 40%. And I would imagine that's exactly what most big companies would do as well, because you can make more margin off of. That's why those those little mini airplane bottles. I mean, there's there's some there's some hefty there's some hefty points that are in play in there. And so I would I would venture to say that at the end of the day, if you're going to ask for this, the problem is is that you're going to pay more money for less product. No way around it. I, I just see that that's how most manufacturers are going to have taken it. It's like the the bag of chips that you know you get the oh yeah the lays yeah. the lays you, you you get the whatever size they what they call it you got the fun size and then you get the regular and party size yeah and it's like you get you pay a dollar more for twenty percent more chips <laughs> you know it's a lot uh, of air it's a lot of air but uh, what was that Coy Hill pa- price at you know for the three seven five do you remember D bucks or something like that? <laughs> yeah I mean. I think for, you know, limited time, like it would be great for an antique collection or something. I just don't see it happening for, and even there, and I don't, I don't see it. I do see the 700 ml though. That, I think that's going to be a thing. Like I said, at the end of the day, the way I look at it, the consumer, you will always lose in that aspect. You get to try more things at a, maybe a lower price point, but regards of it's, it's the same reason why I shop at Costco because you get more when you buy in bulk. And the same exact thing's going to go. You're going to get more if you buy it in a 750 than it is if you try to buy it in a 375. Sure, you'll save a few dollars, but the end product isn't just going to be, you're not going to buy it. You're not going to have as much. That's the way I look. Okay. 
Well, let's take the inverse of that. When are we going to start seeing Pursuit United handles? I mean, I'm not opposed to it. Let's put it that way. There's with our glass, there is there is the ability to have 1.75s, and even here, not even 1.75s. Brian, with the new TTB regulations of getting rid of a lot of that stuff, we could. I mean, we could have. God, what are those those things? Those wine bottles that come in those the massive, magnums. Magnums, yes. Yeah. I mean, we could have a magnum of whiskey and do that. I mean, it's it's possible. We can bring back the swing with the you know the, the gallon cradle, bottles. Yeah, the, yeah, the cradle. <laughs> Yeah, it's, that's an easy thing. I, I think I, I, that's actually a pretty good prediction. Who knows? We might see more of that coming out. The reason why you've seen a, a pullback in it, especially from the larger brands with Maker's Mark, I remember seeing I remember seeing those Eagle Rare 1.75s on the market. They were really cool. They were awesome to look at. But now you don't see any of them anymore. Most of the time, you, people are pulling back from the 1.75s because they want to spread the wealth uh, a little bit further. So yeah, that I barely see leaders unless it's like on premise, you know, whereas leaders used to be able to get like all the time, especially like those makers and Woodfords and whatnot. Yeah. It's like, they're trying to, you know, the demands there. So they're going to make more margin on the, the seven fifties. Lower you go, more margin there is. That's right. We used to buy one seven fives all the time. And I don't think I've bought a one seven five of anything, <laughs> you know, but you're just like, ah, oh, load up. That's true. I, that's that's interesting how the the dynamic has changed even with us because yes I, I remember buying 1.75s of whiskey all the time for either taking to parties or to have here as your your daily drinker I'm, I'm pretty sure I have a 1.75 of Weller 12 in the back somewhere that's, yes that's oh, a, yeah. I used to buy Weller 12 1.75s all the time they write it yeah and now that's <laughs> uh, those are days of the past I guess do they even make those anymore there's Heck no way no no way. I mean, they might have a few pieces of glass in storage, but they're not filling those things up. No, I could no. have sworn they went straight to the 750s only. Soon to be 700s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brian, what do, you, what do you feel comfortable taking chances on brands? It's tough. I'm, I increasingly notice uh, myself. I don't really think that price makes a huge deal to me. But what does make a big deal to me more is if I either have the opportunity to try it before or if I surely know that I can trust wherever it's coming from, you know, and that's why shelfer products or newer shelfer products are harder for me if I don't get a chance to try it or why, you know, I go and, and try and get other people's feedback because I think that there's a multitude of price points that I don't want to just shell out if I don't know if I'm going to like it. I don't necessarily want to, to buy a $25 bottle that I'm not going to like because I don't need to go out and buy another bottle necessarily if it's not going to be one that I'm going to regularly drink or make cocktails with or something like that. And the same could be said at any price point, especially as it gets higher, then I'm going to be more, you know, conscious about that. For for example, you know, even with the new Bargetown Bourbon Company bottles that are coming out and they're priced around around this $50 price point, it seems kind of cheap enough to go ahead and take a risk. And then the other side's like, but if it doesn't hit, you know, that's 50 bucks per bottle, got a couple of those bottles, you know, when am I going to come around to drinking them? I'm going to have to mix them or something like that if they're not easy drinkers, because I have plenty of other bottles or store picks or something that I could be drinking through, tasting through. So I think for me, I just like to know that, you know, the product that you're going to get, or you have a, a decent understanding of it, or, or that you're able to try it. And from there, again, I feel like I'm a little bit of an outlier there. I'd, I'd much rather know 
that I've got a really good bourbon to drink than how much there is that that you spend on it. Because in the at the end of the day, you know, even a we're talking a hundred dollar bottle, twenty five ounces in that bottle means it's only four dollars a pour. If you were to go to a bar and someone said that you had to pour for four dollars, you'd be feeling real good. You know, you don't really think about <laughs> right. it that way. Yeah, go back to your poll survey about how how often people are taking drinks out or how many bottles they're getting in. Let's take that back up. Let's say it go go up another hundred, two hundred dollar bottle. It's only eight dollars a pour. You'd you'd feel pretty good. That's a pr- that's pretty much a well price of most things in some places. So yeah, um, you're paying that for Buffalo Trace. At yeah, the, I'm not, at the and bar. again, this is. I don't want to open, you know, a can of worms and and get into the price thing. But, you know, my job by nature has me look for quality of flavor and I'm looking for I'm looking on a point scale. I'm looking for quality and then I balance that with price. And I think that's just kind of a mentality I take into whiskey as well. You know, I, I and that's something I've been really mulling on for a while because again, everyone has the own their their own reasons for what they're going to buy, what they like, what they what they like because they taste it, what they like because the value's there. For me, I like things if it scores higher than another one because I can see that there's actual something there that I prefer more than another and just let uh, price kind of play in there too. But I know not everyone's like that. So it's a little different for me, I would say, than than some others. But I think there's probably other people who listen to the show that can relate to that as well. Yeah, I'm glad you d- broke down the price per pour. I try to get my friends to wrap their heads because they're like, you know, they'll, they won't think twice about buying a 20 or $30 bottle of wine. And I'm like, you know, you're getting four glasses out of that bottle, you know, $7, $8 a pour. You know, a $50, $65 bottle of bourbon, you're way less than that. But, you know, I digress. You know. Now... Yeah, that but that math, that math won't go forever, because I'll talk to a couple of my buddies, you know, you could easily just say, hey, if you're going out, if you're on the if you're from out of town, you come into town to Kentucky, you're on the bourbon trail, and you see a poor and it's $25 or above, or let's say, yeah, let's say $20 or above, you know, people will splurge on that, which puts you at about at $20, a $500 bottle. But keep in mind, the, the person who might be contemplating that decision probably wouldn't buy 25 pours at that price, you know? So once you get into that price range, you can really start to understand the price per pour and why it gets to be difficult for people to juggle. But I would even still just kind of say that $200 and below technically pour price, if you're going by just an ounce pour, I think when you think about it that way, all of a sudden a bottle that's 200 or less, you really start to see, again, Whichever way you land on it, whether you would buy one for yourself or not, I think we could generally probably assume it's it's pretty inexpensive probably for what you're going to get if the quality is high. Well, did we beat the pricing horse to it? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think so. I think we came away with, well, no answers. Okay. No answers. We're perfectly priced at 65. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Kidding. Well, I mean, I, I, I feel you're right. It, when we were at, well, I'm not going to name it, but we're together and we were looking at all the prices of other stuff on the shelf. And we're going, what the heck is this? Where is this from? What does this even taste like? This is two years old. How is this more expensive than us? And we go, all right, never mind. Our, our pricing's fine. We're not going to listen. Because we've had some, don't get me wrong, we're being overly transparent here. We've had some pushback from distributors saying, ah, oh, you know, your, your price point's too high. You got to get it lower. And it's like, I think we're fine We're where we are on the shelf and who we're competing against in this market. We've just got, at the end of the day, we've got to get 
marketing engine going and more people out there trying it. That's what it comes down to. That, and again, I think I think it'll be interesting to see over the next little bit of time. Like you said, new players come in the market. If they're not making their own or haven't been working on it themselves, they're probably going to be stepping into this higher price market, which will then see all the people that are in this current pocket we're talking about seem a lot more affordable. So there's a lot to still tell as time goes on. So I'm curious to see uh, what happens over the next couple of years with that. But guys, thanks again for another interesting episode uh, here as we talk about the pricing of bourbon. And again, everyone listening to the show, feel free to chime in with any of the the types of questions or, or comments or things that we've made on here. Love to hear you all interact with us on this particular topic. It's obviously very important to us because we're wanting to put a product in, in your all's hands as well. We want to know that you feel that you get a good value with that as well. So podcastofpursuitspirits.com. Chime in with any feedback you have about the pricing of bourbon. Thanks again, as always, for tuning in to another episode. Everyone, we'll catch you on the next episode. Until next time, we'll see you all later.